Okay, so we're up to Daf Kuf Yud Gimel Amid Aleph. Um, the last thing the Gemara was doing was trying to understand the differences between a, a rabbinic marriage of a katana and a rabbinic marriage of a chareshes and why there are certain differences. So top line, Umayishna katana da'achil betruma. The halacha is that when a kayan marries a katana, which is a rabbinic marriage, she's allowed to eat truma, rabbinic truma. I don't know if she's allowed to eat biblical truma, but she could eat rabbinic truma. But a chareshes, which is also a rabbinic marriage, cannot eat truma at all. So what's the difference? Meaning if a kayan marries a chareshes, which is a rabbinic marriage, can't eat truma. A katana marries a kayan, she could eat rabbinic truma, because it's a rabbinic marriage. Now she can't eat biblical truma, but she could eat rabbinic truma, so I guess truma from otzitz, she'enay nokuv, whatever the case is. But there's a difference. So why is it that by a chareshes, we're super machmer that she can't eat truma at all, but a katana could? What's the difference? They're both rabbinic marriages. How do I know that a katana kid shum and a chareshes cannot? Because says, Rabbi Yechemen Gugada was made about a, a man who, was, um, who married off his daughter, who's a chareshes, that she's yoytzebeget, that she could leave with a get. Um, hold on one second. By the way, I, I actually, Dad. I wanted to add one point because we're actually up to, we just got up to it. Yesterday's daf, just, yesterday's daf, I mentioned that if a father marries off a chareshes, Rashi says she's an ashes ish gemura. So you said, but wouldn't that only be rabbinic? Counterintuitively, no. I looked into it yesterday. If, it, if a father marries her off, even though she's a chareshes, it's a biblical marriage. Uh, time. I, I don't, uh, meaning, meaning a Haresh is on her own that gets married is rabbinic. The father marries off as a katana, it's biblical. I don't understand why, but that's, that's the Messias. That's why yesterday, when Rav Yechemen Gudgada was saying that he was testifying that uh, a father married off a Haresh is katana, and she's Yaitzah Beget, so I was like, what's the, the Chiddush is, it's a biblical marriage, and she could be divorced, even though she's Haresh's. Okay, I just wanted to make that, because yesterday we had a little bit back and forth, and I felt bad afterwards, and I looked into it. It is, Rashi says, Eshes is Gemara, she's talking Eshes is Jerez. So the Gemara, just to review, um, the Gemara is in Kufyut Gimel Menala, four lines in, the Gemara is trying to figure out differences between Katana and Chareshes, even though they're both rabbinic, assuming the father didn't marry them off. And the Gemara wants to know, a Katana that marries a Kayin could eat rabbinic truma, because it's a rabbinic marriage. A Chareshes that marries a Kayin cannot. Why? Can, can can eat rabbinic truma because it's a rabbinic marriage, which would make sense. Rabbinic marriage, rabbinic truma. Chareshes cannot, even though it's also a rabbinic marriage. So what's the, the father did it. Yeah, the father did it. That, that I'm not sure. That I'm not sure. That could be she is allowed to because it's a biblical marriage. But I'm talking about where a chareshes is 20 years old. She marries a kohen. Rabbinic marriage cannot eat truma. A katana marries, meaning her father died, her brothers marry her off, so it's a rabbinic marriage. She could eat truma. What's the difference? So the Gemara says, now how do I know that a katana could eat truma and a chareshes cannot? Because it says, Hey, Rav Yechemen Gugada al chareshes shasiyah via shiyotze beget. Rav Yechemen Gugada testified about a chareshes that her father married her off, so it's a biblical marriage that she could be divorced. While katana basi shal shenis is the kohen shechel is betruma. And he also testified that if a katana was married off by her fa- by her mother, so it's a rabbinic marriage, she could eat truma rabbinically. Ah, uh, but he says, But there's no indication that a chareshes could eat truma. We we just have that a katana could, so not a chareshes. So what's the difference? So the Gemara says, 
we're not allowing a chareshes to eat truma because a cherish might feed the chareshes truma. Meaning, a chareshes who marries a kain can't eat truma because if the kain's a cherish, he might give his wife a chareshes truma also. But let's say, no, I'm saying, let's say they're both cherish, charashim, they're both deaf mutes, he might come to feed his wife truma also. So Rashi already says about this, lav shinu yamalya, this is not a good answer. I mean, a lot of times the Gemara rejects it, but it's a good answer. This is not even a good answer. We're not allowing a chareshes to eat truma because the cherish might feed his wife a chareshes truma if they're both. What's the difference? Okay. First of all, if she's allowed to eat, she's allowed to eat. If she's not allowed to eat, she's not allowed to eat. But also, it's even worse. A cherish and a chareshes have the status of children, right? We don't stop children from eating non-kosher. If they're nine years old, eight years old, I mean, forget about chinuch, right? Let's say there's no chinuch involved. I don't have to stop an eight-year-old. I can't necessarily give them non-kosher, but eating bezim and sumin lafrisho, I'm not going to get myself involved if an eight-year-old is doing an avera. It's not my problem. So we're not going to allow a chareshes to eat truma because a cherish and chareshes might also eat truma. They're both like children. Let them do whatever they want. Whatever. It's not my problem. They're the kids. They're not. They're not baroinchen. They're not biblically going to be punished. So why are we so like? What do you? We're going to stop her from eating truma because lest a cherish feed his wife a cherish's truma? They're not by Rainshin. What's the difference? But, but what's the reason? What's the motivation? What are you afraid of? Correct. They actually don't get a ksuba. But the Gemara is actually going to say, I didn't know the Gemara can point out in a second, they don't get a ksuba. No, but the point is, what's the problem? If the husband, if a cherish wants to give his wife chazer, we're not getting involved. They're children, halachically. They're not baroinshin. So I'm going to make gezeras to prevent something that like is not my problem. So the Gemara says, cherish uh, let them eat. They're just children, halachically. So the answer is gezeras cherish Now what we're afraid of is that if the wife is a chareshes, and she's a basi Yisrael that marries a Kayan. We don't want her to eat truma. Why? Because what if the husband is a cherish? So his marriage is only rabbinic. And he gives his wife a pikachas, who's a healthy woman, a bar oinshin. He gives her truma biblically. He gives her truma deraisa, which she's not allowed to eat. Meaning, there, that, that scenario is a problem. Meaning, over here, she's a basi Yisrael marrying to a Kayan. So she's rabbinically married. So we want her to allow her to eat rabbinic truma. We're saying, no, no, why? If she starts eating truma in such a situation, then the reverse might happen, which is the cherish marries a regular woman who's a bar oinshin, because she's 20 and healthy. And he gives her truma deraisa, which is not allowed. Even truma derabanan, maybe, not truma deraisa. And that could happen because once they get in the mindset of truma is allowed for such a spouse, they're just going to be okay with it. And, and, and that, that, that's something we have to stop. Now the Gemara says, but wait a minute, lichel truma derabanan. Now they could still eat truma derabanan. The answer is, gezeir, damas yilach, but truma deraisa. We're not going to allow them to eat truma derabanan because they might come to eat biblical truma. Meaning, they might come to biblical truma. Meaning, rabbinic truma we should be okay with because it's a rabbinic marriage. So under all circumstances, we should be okay with rabbinic truma. The answer is, if we allow them to eat rabbinic truma, they might come to eat biblical truma. And by a katana, we're not concerned about that because she's under bat mitzvah. So we're not, gonna, we're, we're not worried about averis happening with her. A chareshes, who could be above bar mitzvah and bat mitzvah, and one of the spouses could be healthy, we are concerned of a bar of, of averis being happening. Because... 
by Haresha. She, she, she's not going to change her path. She's not going to change her style. Because we're afraid if we're Mako in that scenario, we might be Mako when he's a Haresh and she's a Pikachas. That's a Gzerda. That's a Okay, now the Gemara makes one more distinction. Maishna katana is like suva, maishna haresh is the less like suva. Why does a katana have a suva rabbinically, but a haresh does not? And if you marry a haresh, she doesn't have a suva. Why? So the Gemara says, I'll tell you why. Haresh is a hard sell. It's hard sell to, to marry someone to haresh because it's an ailment that will not get better. If he knows also that he has to pay a suva, he's not going to marry her. A katana, he's willing to because in two years she'll be a regular person. It's not that she'll be an adult. But a chareshes, it's not. It's it's it's, it's, to, it's it'll prevent people from getting married. Now, a katana in all Now, how do we know this? Let's just analyze the sources. How do we know that a katana has aksuva? Ditnan hamamenes. If a woman does mian, so if she does mian, she retroactively annuls her marriage. She doesn't get aksuva. Ha shnia. If someone marries a shnia, which is a rabbinic erva, and Islandess, if a woman's an islandess, ain't like suva. All these women do not have a suva. but they have to get divorced. Bikatana, yesh laksuva, but a katana has a suva. So if you divorce a katana, you have to be the suva. Bikhareshes, minol, the last suva. How do I know that Hareshes does not have a suva? The Tanya. Now, this Bryce I, I find very strange because we mentioned yesterday that you cannot marry a shaita at all, not even rabbinically. But this Bryce says, I, I, don't, I don't know the answer to that, I'm just going to say. The Bryce says, Cherish vishaita, shenosu pikachas. If a cherish and a shaita marry healthy women, even though the the people get healthy, so they start off as a shaita, they start off as a cherish, and then in the middle of the marriage they're healthy now, so now they're healthy. There's no ksuba. Now I don't know how a shaita can get married, but I, I don't have an answer for that. We said yesterday that we didn't I'm not talking marriages for a shaita. I'm not 100 percent sure, but the point is, um, you see from here that a shaita or a cherish do not have a ksuba. Now the Gemara speaks it out. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I guess so. Yeah, I, I guess that's the answer. That's the only answer I could think of. But then, but it sounds like I said it's not even a rabbinic marriage. I, I don't know. Now, Now, after they're healthy, now that they're both healthy, if you want to stay married, now you have to have a ksuba because now they're just regular healthy people. Now, Now, let's say a healthy man. A healthy man marries a shaita or marries a charesha, a So the halacha is again. But the Gemara says if a healthy man marries a charesha's or a shaita, there's no ksuva. But if they want to write a hundred zuz, they can do whatever they want. If you want to lose money, you can lose money. Meaning, the man does not have to give her a ksuva at all. If he wants to write $10 million, he could do that. He could do whatever you want. It's a financial document. You want to you throw money down the toilet? You could do that. So the implication is that it's dafka because he wants to throw money down the toilet, but he doesn't have to have a ksuva. So you see from here that there's no ksuva requirement by a chareshes and a shaita. And the reason is because if there's a ksuva, people are not going to marry them. But there is a ksuva. Okay, so... If a pikeach marries a chareshes, there's no ksuva. But a, chare, but a cherish that marries a pikachas, there is a ksuva. So the Gemara wants to know why. The Gemara says, wait a minute. Um, uh, no, I mean it like this. There's no ksuva in either scenario. I take it back, I'm sorry. There's never a ksuva. If one of them is a cherish or a chareshes, no ksuva. 
Why? Because if there's a ksuba, it's going to stop people. Who pays the ksuba? The man. What if he's a, pik- a cherish and she's a pikachas? If the whole reason why there's no ksuba is because we want to incentivize marrying deaf mutes, like we want to make it work. So then if he's a cherish and she's a pikachas, you should actually make a ksuba to entice the women to marry men. Right? So the answer is, you don't have to incentivize marriage for women. They're interested more than men. The men need incentives. It's not, it's not the, so, so therefore, if the man is a cherish and she's a pikachas, you don't need a ksuba to incentivize her to marry him. She doesn't need money. She's, the incentive is that she's getting married. That, that's it. But the opposite, which is, the woman's a chereshes, and you want a healthy man to marry her, you're going to have to cancel a ksuba. Because the guy is, marriage is not enough for the guy. He needs to make sure he's not paying money also. Okay. So, um, <laughs> written in Disney. The Gemara says, now, okay, a cherish that marries a pikachas, there's no ksuba requirement. Right? Because we don't need to incentivize marriage. However, a ksuba is probably a good idea. Right? Like at the end of the day, we don't need to make a super requirement, but super is probably a good idea. It would, it would incentivize. Like they don't need the incentive, but like, it's a good idea. So the Gemara says, There was a certain deaf, mute man who was in the neighborhood of Ramalkiyoi, in Saba Itasa, and Ramalkiyoi helped him get married with the Shidduch. And he, Ramalkiyoi, um, pushed on him to, what do you call it, uh, uh, influenced him to have a very, very big suba, to incentivize women to marry him, because he was deaf-mute. Amar Rabba, so Rabba said, Man chochim krav malkiyoi, how, how wise is Ramalkiyoi? Degaba Rabba, he's such a chash of yid, why? Kasaba, ilu ratza shivcha l'shamcha, milo izamunilei, kol shekein hacha t'ekatarati. If this chayrish was looking for a, a, a live-in maid, to, uh, or like a nurse to help him, would he not pay money? He's looking for a wife, which is double. It's 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 like a a living maid because he's a cherish. He needs help, and it's love. So he should pay double. He should. Pay, they didn't say the love part, but it's it's a wife and it's 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 help. So kavachaymer he should be paying. So Rav Malkias was basically teaching that why there's not a requirement. It's definitely a good idea, and it's something that um, that uh, for him to give a ksuba is, is definitely a good idea. Okay. Now the Gemara says like this: a chareshes. We said it's a rabbinic marriage. Is it rabbinic or is it a suffolk deraisa? Meaning, is it for sure not valid biblically and the rabbis made it a marriage? Or is it a suffolk whether it's a biblical marriage? So we would just call it rabbinic. Meaning, when we called it rabbinic, is it like straight up rabbinic or it's a suffolk whether it's a biblical marriage? So the Gemara says, if you have a cherish that marries a woman, so it's a rabbinic marriage, if someone marries her, if someone lives with her, so it's an ashesit, whatever, adultery, you don't have to bring an ashem tali. Meaning, it's not a suffix deraisa. If it's a suffix deraisa, it's a suffix ashesish. Suffix ashesish is ashem tali. Ashem tali is where you did a suffix aver. It's not a suffix. It's for sure nothing. It's a rabbinic ashesish. There's no, there's no carbonus for a rabbinic aver. So it's not an ashem tali. It's not a suffix deraisa. It's 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 rabbinic. That's Shmuel. It's a Shmuel. That's Shmuel's take. So let me say, so let's bring a riot to Shmuel that again that he looks at the mice of a cherish as biblically not valid, not a suffix, biblically not valid. I'll prove it to you because it says There are five people who cannot separate truma. Vim tarmu, and if they did, 
it's not valid even by the Evid. Now, who are these five people that cannot um, cannot uh, uh, separate Truma even rabbinically, uh, uh, biblically at all, even by the Evid? Cherish, Shaita, Katon, those three. Hatar Mishen if you separate Truma from someone else's property without his uh, knowledge. And a guy cannot separate Truma from a Jew. Point is, one of those examples is Cherish. Meaning, if he separates Truma, it's not valid at all. It's not a Safik, nothing. So that's like Shmuel, that the wife of a Cherish is not a biblical wife, not a Safik, nothing. So you see, Shmuel is consistent with this Shita, with this Brisa. So the Gemara says, no. Huda Amr Kravalazar. It could be Shmuel actually feels that regarding Truma, it's actually a Safik. The Tanya, Rav Yitzchakai Mishim Ravalazar, Truma's Cherish, Loi Teitzil Chum, Neshu Safik. The answer, it could be really when Shmuel said that there's no Ashim uh, Tali, meaning that it's for sure not a biblical marriage, not even a Safik. Regarding a Cherish, it could be he holds regarding Truma, it's a Safik. So why? Meaning it could be he actually holds that a Cherish is Maisa, is really a Safik. And that's why if you separate Truma, he actually holds it to Suffolk, whether it's a valid Truma. So why, by Eishas Ish, is it for sure nothing? The Gemara says, Isvir Kravalazar, Ashram Tali Nam L'chaiv, Bein in Chaticha Meshtei Chatichas. It could be, there's such a possibility. What's an Ashram Tali? Ashram Tali is where you did a Suffolk, a Suffolk Isser. Yeah? So we're saying right now, Shmuel just got up and said, this woman, who's the wife of a Cherish, there's no Ashim Tali. It's not a Suffolk. So how did we take it? It's nothing. It's a rabbinic marriage, not a Suffolk. The Gemara is actually saying now, it could be it is a Suffolk. So why no Ashim Tali? He holds, and this is based on Sukkim, that for, to bring an Ashim Tali, it's not enough to do a Suffolk Isser. It has to be where there's two items in front of you. One's Asr, one's Mutter, and you don't know which one. Meaning a Suffolk within one item, like this woman, who she's a Suffolk Ish, that's not an Ashim Tali. A suffolk, a suffolk, you only bring an ashram tali when you have two pieces of meat, one's chaza, one's kosher, you don't know which one. So there's two items here, one's kosher, one's not, which is a suffolk. But when you have an a item itself that itself is a doubt, within one item, there's no ashram tali, for, for technical reasons. So it could be that when Shmuel says there's no ashram tali, it doesn't mean that it's not a suffolk marriage. It's a, it's a suffolk marriage, but you don't bring ashram tali because the suffolk is within one woman. And he holds like Rav Lazar. Now the problem is... You're telling me that he holds like Revelazer, and you don't bring an Ashram Tali because you need two pieces of meat and you need to be a suffix within multiple items. The problem is that's not Revelazer Shita. Umi boy Revelazer Chaticha Meshe Chaticha Zvatanya Revelazer Oimer Kvi Koi, I think called Koi, I think is how they change. Chayv and Alchev Oimish Ashram Tali. Koi is a, a type of species where you have Behemis and Chayas. A behema, you can't eat the chaylev. If you eat the chaylev of a behema, it's chayev karis. A chay, you could eat the chaylev. A deer, you could eat the chaylev of a deer. A koi is a suffolk. We don't know if it's a behema or a chay. Says Rav Lozer, if you eat the chaylev of a koi, you're chayev ashram tali. But that's, but that's a suffolk within one item. That's not two pieces of meat here. A behema and a chay. Huh? What's the difference between a behema and a Behema is a domesticated kosher animal. A chay is a non-domesticated. So, I mean, that's the classic explanation, but the I point... It could be. Well, that would be a pretty good example of non-domesticated... But it still looks like a that's the point. So I, don't, I don't know, but the point... I don't know exactly what a kvi, koi, whatever it is. So the point is, that's a case where Veloza says the Yechai Vashem Taloi, and that's within... The suffix is within one item. So if he holds a Veloza, then why is there no Vashem Taloi on a, a wife of a Cherish? 
The answer is, he agrees with Rav Lazar in some areas, he disagrees with others. Meaning, he agrees in Rav Lazar that in Eishas Chayrish is a Suffolk Deraisa, but he does not agree with Rav Lazar regarding Hashem Talo. He, he feels that for Hashem Talo, you actually have to have it that it's a Suffolk within multiple items, not a Suffolk within one item itself. Okay. Fine. Now, Rav Lazar holds the wife of a Chayrish is a suffolk. Not like what we've been going till now, which is that it's a derabanon. It's a suffolk deraisa, whether it's a valid marriage. So the Gemara has the following question. Boy Ravashi, two lines from the bottom. My time is the What's Ravalaza Shita about? Is it Mifshap Shitale the Kherish Daita Kalishtahu, Umi Masafkale, Idaita Tsaluya, go to the next page, Eloy Daita Tsaluya, Ulam Khada Daitahu? Possibility number one. He, he holds that a cherish, when he's Mekadish a woman, it's a suffix. What's the suffix? Option number one is that a cherish has a lower intel, a deaf mute has a lower understanding or intellect, let's assume, than people. They're always consistent. It's not like they're like bipolar. Like they're consistent. He just doesn't know if that's intellectually enough to be a bar oinshin or not. But they're always consistent. Or perhaps. Or perhaps no. They're actually inconsistent. They're actually like this. They go up and down. When they're up, they're clear. When they're down, they're not clear. You just don't know when you're catching them because they can't communicate. You don't know what they're thinking at the time. But they're actually inconsistent. So is it that they're always consistently at a certain level and he just doesn't know if that level is high or low? High enough or low enough? But they're always consistent? Or they're up and down. When they're down, they're like a shaita. When they're up, they're healthy. You just don't know when they're up and when they're down. That's the two sides. What's the difference? The difference is, can they divorce a woman? We said yesterday that rabbinically they could divorce a woman. Now, if they're consistent, then it makes sense they could divorce. They got married at the same level, they divorced at the same level. But if you're actually saying that according to our laws that they're up and down, then maybe they got married at a high point and when they're trying to divorce at a low point, in which case the divorce is not valid. So because so the question is because if if at, if you got married let's say someone's like super by it's schizophrenic whatever let's just say it's a mamish example he gets married he's super clear super coherent and then by the time he when he wants to give a get he's like a lunatic no one would accept that get because he wasn't in his right mind at the time temporary insanity so that's the question so if a cherish is constantly doing like this then he can never divorce because we never know where he's at. And the Mishnah said that a cherish could get divorced. The question is, would Rav Lazar agree to that? If they're always consistent, then yes. If they're up and down, no. So the Gemara says, Sometimes they're clear, sometimes they're not. What's the difference? Can he divorce his wife? If he's always consistent, then it makes sense that he could divorce. The same way he got married, he could divorce. But if you actually say that he is sometimes coherent, sometimes not, moments lapse of, of sanity, we just never know. The Kedushi Matsumikadish he can never divorce because maybe he's not in the same place. Teku, we don't know. Okay. The next line in the Mishnah was is that we we do not allow you to divorce your wife if she lost her mind, if she's insane. We don't allow you to divorce your wife because, as I said, it's rabbinically not allowed. Because she needs someone to protect her from like people 
hurting her, raping her, that type of thing, or just she's doing sins. Like we, 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 we need, she needs someone to look out for her. So biblically, you could divorce a, a, a shaita, a crazy person, but rabbinically, you're not allowed to. That's what the Gemara says. The Gemara says like this. On a biblical level, you could divorce a shaita. Why? You could divorce a woman against her will. She doesn't need das. So you hand her a get, it works. So you hand the shaita a get, it works. So it biblically works. It's rabbinically a problem. Why? So that she doesn't, uh, people don't treat her, violate her, and she doesn't violate herself. Huh? Why does? Forget it's a get is works balkarcha against her will. You can throw a get at a woman. She doesn't have to. She doesn't have to be submissive to receive a get. Now, I think my father's touching on a point. Yeah, exactly. So my father's touching on a point like this. Right now, we're saying that biblically you could divorce a shaita, but rabbinically you can't because we don't want people to to take advantage of her. That's the terminology I use. Now, here's the thing. I, I think I mentioned this once. Researching like practical halacha on shaita is very very hard because it's like it's it's a spectrum. There's you know there's different levels. You, you could have someone who's autistic and maybe he's technically on the spectrum but fully functioning, and then you could have someone who's absolutely non-functioning. What type of shaita are we talking about? Like biblically, you divorce, but rabbinically because they'll 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 be violated or violate themselves. If, if they're, if they're, my father's made a good point. The Gemara accepts this. To divorce a person, you, you, you might be able to divorce a woman against her will. She has to know where she is. Like if you have someone that's mamish, like I don't want to describe it because it's, it's, it's offensive. Picture in your mind a mental institution where they're just rocking back and forth, drooling. They're, they're not there. You can't divorce such a person. Wait, you so, stuck? Yeah, I don't know. You, you, you get another wife. You could, listen, it's one thing to say you could divorce a healthy woman against her will. right? What's the source you could divorce, uh, divorce a crazy person? Because you could divorce a woman without her wanting to receive it. But she's conscious. She has to be conscious. She has to be a bar something. You give a person who doesn't even know where she is. You, you think she has das? The puzzle says you have to put it in her hand. That's putting it in her hand? No. So the answer is... For a shaita to be biblically valid, she has to be here a little bit. So she has to be on the spectrum closer to healthy. Well, if she's closer to healthy, she could probably take care of herself, no? Like, and not be violated, not violate herself. Like, it's like, what, what, what type of shaita? So the answer is, we're looking for that sweet spot where she's healthy enough that she knows where she is, but she's not careful enough when it comes to, like, Arias. So that's the sweet spot that we're looking for. Because you're right, like, when you're too crazy, like the you're too crazy, then you're not a, you can't divorce her biblically. And if you're super healthy, then you can probably divorce her rabbinically as well. So it's that sweet spot. That's the Gemara speaks it out. The Gemara says like this, Hey, Chidami, where is she mentally? If she is mentally capable of receiving a get and protecting her body, then then what's the problem? You should be able to divorce her rabbinically. And then, so, no, she must be so crazy that she can't watch her body herself and she can't watch it get, she can't receive it. The Gemara says, then, so how could you even divorce her biblically? It's not a rabbinic problem, it's a biblical problem. The Apostle says you have to put the get in her hand. 
She has to have a hand to receive it. She has to have Kalim to receive something. Someone's so crazy that she doesn't even know what's happening. You can't divorce. A woman's in a coma, you think you could put a get in her hand? No. It's not, it's not, it's not, but you have some level of das. Now, what's the level of crazy? So the Pasuk says that when you divorce her, you send her from your house. Meaning when you divorce a woman, she leaves. If she comes back, uh-oh, right? She comes back. It's like a, it's like a sitcom. She comes back the next day. It's like I thought we were divorced. What are you talking about? Like that's 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 a level of crazy that that shows that they're not capable of dealing with a get. So and they can't be divorced biblically. So what's the scenario? So the answer is that sweet spot. The answer is she's mature enough and mentally enough where she's able to understand the get and to receive it and to leave, but she's not able to protect herself or she doesn't care about violating herself either. So that's the scenario where you're biblically allowed to give a get but not rabbinic. I'll prove it to you that it's a rabbinic issue with a shaita. It says that a shaita can never divorce his wife because he doesn't have das. But it says if the woman's a shaita, you can never divorce her ever. What's the ever? It's rabbinically to protect her. The fact that it adds the word elamis is to tell you that the shaita man and shaita woman are not the same. The shaita man might be a biblical problem. The shaita woman is a rabbinic issue. Right? The shaita man is a biblical problem because he doesn't have das, and you need das from the man's perspective. The woman, it says, Ilomis, because it's not a biblical issue, it's to protect her. And therefore, as long as she needs protection, we're not going to allow you to divorce her. Okay. Rav Yechaman Nuri said like this. The, the Mishnah said that if the woman is a cherish, you're allowed to divorce her, but if the man is a cherish, he cannot. Rav Yechaman Nuri said, what's the difference? Right, what's the difference? So the Gemara answered, the difference is, the man has to have das, the woman does not have das. But Rav Yochan ben Nuri said, what's the difference? Meaning, Rav Yochan ben Nuri, from his perspective, doesn't see a difference. And he's like, I don't see what's the difference. Let me ask you a question. When someone says, what's the difference, it can go one of either way. It can go either of two ways. Right? There's a distinction between the man being a cherish and the woman being a charashas. Man being a cherish, no good. Woman cherish is being good. You can give a gift. Rav Yochan ben Nuri is like, what's the difference? What's the difference meaning that they both should be okay or they both should not be okay? Like, what's the difference meaning, what do you want? Right? He's just saying, what's the difference between the man being deaf-mute and the woman being a deaf-mute when it comes to getting? What, what does that mean? What, what, does he, what does he know? Is he comfortable with the man not being able to give a get and he wants the woman also not to be able to give a get? Or he's comfortable with the woman receiving again? he wants the man to also be able to give? He just got up and he's like, what's the difference between the two? Meaning, why, why is there a distinction in halacha? So which way was he leading? So the Gemara says, Is he for sure that a man cannot divorce his wife when he's a deaf mute? And he was asking, And he's asking, why is a woman able to? Or the opposite. He knew, he's confident that a woman could receive a divorce when she's a deaf mute. And he's asking, why is the man not able to? So what is he trying to figure out, the man or the woman? Well, the Lushan is, they said, you can't compare a man to a woman. The fact that they addressed the man first indicates that that was what he was trying to figure out. The Gemara says, no. 
Adarabba, later on in the Mishnah, they said the man is the woman is like the man. You see that he was trying to figure out the woman. So we have indications either way. What was he trying to figure out? So the answer is This is what meant to say. to me. Rabbi Yechemenuri says, to me, I think they're the same meaning. Just like a man who's a deaf mute cannot divorce his wife, I think a woman who's a deaf mute also cannot divorce her wife, cannot be divorced. And he looks at them as both the same, that the man and the woman are equal and that they both cannot be involved in getting. But but to you, that says that a woman could receive a get and not a man. What's the difference? And that, that was the answer. Okay. Last point in the Gemara. And that is Rav Yechem ben Gudgada. Rav Yechem ben Gudgada testified that a woman whose father married her off when she was a Hareshes, so as I've said, biblical marriage, she can get divorced. Rav Yechem ben is being mechadish that a woman, that a Hareshes can get divorced even biblically. Meaning not just rabbinically, uh, that, that, that a, a divorce works not only rabbinically, but even biblically as well. So, Happy birthday. So, so the, the, that was Rebbe Chaim Gugada added. That not only, right, till now we're saying that a woman who's a Hareshes can receive a get rabbinically. But now he's saying, no, even if her marriage was biblical, like her father married her off, she could also be divorced. Why? Okay, it kind of makes sense. The woman doesn't need das. Now, the Gemara just makes an interesting point. From the teaching of Rebbe Gugada that a Hareshes can even be divorced biblically, so the following halacha is, is true. Amr le'edim, ru'u gedzeshani noisim. This is it's kind of a jerk move. You tell the edim, you tell the edim, listen, I'm giving my wife a get. You're watching this? And they're like, yeah, we're watching. Out of the wife, out of the wife's earshot. So you say, hey, I'm about to give my wife a get. You're watching? They're like, yeah, we're watching. You go over to the wife and you say, here, honey, uh, Con Ed bill came. Hand it to her. So she takes it thinking it's a Con Ed bill. The halacha is it works. Why? Rehechemin Gugada says you could divorce a deaf mute, even though her level of das is borderline non-existent. What's the answer? She just has to be able to take the document and take it. So this woman also took the document. I she's not aware. She thought it was something else. So Cherish uh, probably also doesn't know what's inside. So the Gemara says, meaning he has a much lower bar of the das that's required. The person has to be a capable person. They don't have to know what's inside. So the Gemara says, By the way, you have to tell the Edim what the, that it's a get, because if you tell the Edim it's a Kanad bill, then obviously they don't know that it's a Maisa Gittin, but if you tell the Edim, listen, this is a get. You go over and you say, hey, here, here's the TV Digest, whatever it is, and she's just like, okay, she's divorced. Here, take this uh, check, this this whatever, this financial document. It works. Why? God has said that you could divorce a Hareshes on a biblical level, meaning she does not need Das at all. So, so this is Pshita, it's Pashit. What's the Chiddush? The Chiddush is, when you called it uh, a Kaned bill, you might think that was your way of sort of being Mavat the Get. Meaning, the Chiddush is that by you calling it a Kaned bill, that might be your way of actually nullifying its power as a Get. 
That's what you might think. That's because he's calling it something. But if he would just say to her, meaning if he had just gave it, for, for sure it works. That's for sure it's a get. The chiddush is you I'm called sure. it something else. Right. That's so that might be your way of saying that, like this, to me is not a get. It's a, it's just a kind of bill. Meaning the fact that you called it something else might be your way of taking away its potency. Kamashwalan, no. The Mara says Mao the same. The answer is how do you know you weren't mavatulit? The answer is because if you were mevatel, you would have told Edom that. The fact that you told her that it's a kaned bill and you told Edom it's a get, that's just your way of avoiding conflict. Um, but the kamer hachi said, "Why'd you call it a kaned bill?" Embarrassed. So you uh, tricked the deaf mute person. Good for you. All right, we'll stop there. Yeah. My pleasure.